Hey, good evening. Welcome to Element City Church. We are thrilled to have you here, having you tuning in online. We have been setting up for the after party uh, afterwards, so I hope that you're planning to stick around uh, with us to hang out. We've we'll got a couple food trucks there. Eventually, if the Wi-Fi works, we'll have a couple games going, and uh, we'll have some good conversations. Sound good? You guys doing well? You doing well? Good. Glad that you're here again. If you are happen to be new and we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I uh, just want to invite you to do a couple quick things. One is our 10-minute party, which we do in the back corner right over here. Uh, and we it's 10 minutes or less, and we've got the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon just for you. It's not for the people who call Elements home. And they always moan about it. Like, oh, but it's really just for guests. And so it's for you. If you're new here, we'd love to, to meet you. And you can fill out our connection card if you download download our app. If you just go to our app store, Element City Church, type that in. You'll download that. A couple tiles down, there's a connection card. It's name, email, phone number, that's it. Uh, and we know it's hard connecting to a new place, so it's an opportunity for us to kind of maybe send you one text or one email a week for the next three or four weeks and just walk with you and kind of answer questions along the way so you can respond to that. Uh, but I'm thrilled that you're here tonight. So a couple different things just to let you know about that are coming up. One is um, we're going to have, uh, we have Easter just like three weeks away. That's a, It's going to be awesome. Uh, we have a Good Friday online experience that we're really excited about. We're going to release four different videos on Good Friday, and we're inviting you to kind of join in, dial in from where you are, uh, and just kind of take that day as a day of reflection. We've been talking about being unhurried and trying to talk about how do we slow ourselves down a little bit, so we thought we'd try something a little different this year. So four different times throughout the, the morning, 6 a.m., 9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m., we're going to invite you to log into their YouTube channel and kind of just take a moment to hit pause and reflect on Good Friday, all Jesus has done for us, and everything we get to celebrate come Easter a couple days later. So Easter Sunday night, uh, we'll have a normal service at 5 o'clock. I uh, invite you to be a part of that. Um, and then the week prior to that is our Easter Family Festival on April 1st. So we're still looking for a few people that would like to help sign up to be part of the hospitality team with that. Again, if you're a family here and you've got kids, you don't have to help. We want to serve you. And so your job is just to invite a friend, invite another family to come with you April 1st from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. right here on campus, right out in the parking lot and in the gym, in the education building. So we invite you to be a part of that. Make sense? Sounds good? Good. So thrilled that you're here. If you are here in the room, I'm going to invite you to stand up. If you're at home, you can stand up if you want. But uh, we want to take a moment to pray for the Church of the Week, which is Christ Lutheran Vale, uh, Christ Lutheran in Vale, and Pastor David Hook. And we want to pray for a blessing over them at, over our time tonight as uh, Lyle shares about Sabbath. And is that something that we're invited into, this living, this unhurried life? And what does that begin to look like? We're going to worship together, and then we'll have a great time hanging out and enjoying some food together. Um, <clears throat> I would say enjoy basketball, but Juve lost, so. <sighs> okay, let's pray. <laughs> so, God, we are grateful for um, everything you do for us. We pray for... Uh, Christ Church and Vail and Pastor David Hook, we ask your blessing over them, uh, their leadership team, the, the resources that you've equipped them with. God, would you continue to stretch that uh, to be useful for your kingdom's sake? I pray that you'd give them influence into the, the area of Vail that they are in, that you continue to draw people to them. And God, that's what we pray for ourselves uh, tonight, too, that you continue to draw people uh, to connect into community here at Element City Church. God, tonight, we just want to hit pause again lean into the beauty of who you are, Jesus. And so as we worship you now, we aim our attention in your direction. We ask that you would meet us in this space. Each one of us may be at a different place in our spiritual journey of searching things out, trying to connect with you or walking with you. Father, would you have a word for each of us tonight? Not just in our service as we look into your word, but also as we just do community, do life together, as we enjoy conversation. Would you enrich and, uh, and, and move our hearts tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. Amen. See those hands, elements? We're clearing off the surface. We're coming into focus. Going back to the basics 
as we can make it sometimes. Your story is so simple. A simple pursuit, a simple love for your kids. And that's who we are. It's not only us inside these walls, it's everybody out there. Lord, you passionately love your kids, each and every single one of us. Whether we know it or not, you're there. And you want us to see your heart, your goodness, your faithfulness. Father, just as Isaac experienced that, Father, we ask that in the days ahead that we would do the same, Tonight specifically, I ask that you would give us rest. Whether we've been coming in from travel or a long week at work, I know I have. Or stories of, of cancer or car accidents. Father, this broken world, man, it sure lends itself to stories. A lot of us leave us, a lot of them leave us pretty down. So tonight we're reminded that we serve a great God, a Lord of armies. And we rest in the truth and the knowledge and the understanding that the blood of your son Jesus carries us each day. for this world to know and understand that peace and that rest that you have to offer for us. And that for all the moments that have been, this moment now and the moments to come, that we can hide ourselves under your wings and know that you love us with abandon. We want to take that love to a world that sure does need it these days. So be with us tonight. Father, I pray that you would be with Lyle as he shares your words. That those words would rest with weight on our hearts. That we would put them into practice and be a little bit more like Jesus when the day is through. Father, we love you. You are so worthy of our praise. Be with us tonight. Move amongst us tonight. We love you. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Amen. Well, hey. Howdy. How are we doing tonight? Good. We're finishing up our series tonight called Unhurried, Living at the Pace of Grace. Uh, and uh, it's actually been really fun to kind of hear the feedback and, and kind of see how this has resonated with people. Uh, so if this is your first time tonight, uh, you've been joining us. We've been basically basing this whole series off of John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. 
And uh, as Jack shared the very first week, that this, this idea of slowing down, that we don't need to rush through everything. It just, it, we can all feel so busy all of the time. And, and what happens is as we get busy, uh, we lose sight of what's important. We, we take our eyes off of Jesus. And so if we want to be a church that wants to accomplish the vision that we believe God has given us, that we want to be an inviting community of Jesus followers who are commissioned by the gospel to make disciples by cultivating relationships that reflect the love of Christ. If we're going to do that, we have to first be disciples. So what does that mean to be a disciple? It means that we need to be someone who knows and follows Jesus. It means we need to be somebody who's becoming like Jesus. And it means we need to be people who are committed to the mission of Jesus. And those things sound great for any person who's been a part of church for a long time. We all agree, like, those are good things. Those are things we want. Um, And yet life can just come so quickly that what happens, we get so busy that all of a sudden there's no extra space for Jesus to even have that little bit of time to form himself and his ways in us. And so if we're going to accomplish those things, we've said it before, as a church, uh, we have an agenda for your life. We're up front with that. We have an agenda for what we believe that God wants to do in your life. And we believe that he has an agenda for us as a church. That's what we're putting before you all is to say that this agenda is worth it though. That this way is the better way. And that's what this series is really all about. And so um, I would just love to real quickly find out, has, has this series resonated with you? Anybody just show of hands? Yeah. I've, I've noticed at dinner after uh, service the first couple weeks, just conversations were going on about the service that night in a way that hadn't happened really frequently before. It's also been fun to see people on Instagram kind of posting pictures of the book. Uh, you, you know, get your devotional quiet time thing, right? The cup of coffee and then the book, and it's just like very carefully curated shot. I've seen them. They're good. It's good. But I'm glad that people are engaging with this content. And so uh, here's the deal. We'd love to give a book away tonight. Is that all right? Can we do that? And so this is going to require you having a little bit of courage. So if you don't have the book already, if you already have the book and you're like, well, I want to get one for my friends, tough, buy one for your friends. If you're here tonight and you don't have a book and you want to read through this book, here's what I would love. If this series has resonated with you, I would love for you to just come up and share um, what is something that you have begun to put into practice that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks where you've started to see God has made a difference. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to really quickly say it. And I say 30 seconds because I'm the preacher tonight and I go long. I'm only supposed to take 25 minutes and I'm already taking three minutes. So Faith is up here. Faith, come on up. Everyone say hello to Faith. All right. So tell me, what is a practice that you've been putting into place in your life? The silence and solitude. Yeah. Nice. And what does that look like? I'll repeat her, don't worry. She's removing herself from situations that have been frustrated so she can become more like Jesus. And not like pleasing to people. Yeah. You Trying to not people please, that's a good one. React to what they're doing that's pleasing and doing what they want you to do, not what God wants you to do. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you, Faith, for sharing that. And just so you all know, I think we've got four more copies. Do we still have those in the back? I don't think we sold them beforehand. So if you're looking to get the book, I think it's like 25 bucks on Amazon. You can pick it up at the back. We've got it for 20 bucks. It's a little bit of a deal. So four copies, first four people to get that. I don't want to see people getting up right now, running out. None of that. Kidding. All right. So uh, we've kind of anchored this whole series around uh, a specific passage of scripture. It's one that we've been bringing up. Jack's kind of uh, quoted it a few times already. Uh, But I think it's just important for us to anchor ourselves back there again. And that's Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus said this. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love how Eugene Peterson talks about this, take my yoke upon you, says, learn from me the rhythms of grace. That's really what it's all about. How can we position ourselves to receive that rest? Does that rest sound good to anybody? Few people? I tell you, man, like I read that and I'm just, yes, that's what I want to. And I think that's what we all want. And so what we need to see from that is Jesus wants you to rest. Do you see that? Jesus is pro-rest. He is all about rest. 
So this idea of having to be busy that we feel that we have to constantly pack our calendars, that's not necessarily something that Jesus is promoting for your life, especially if it's going to take away from knowing him better. And so one of the best ways that you can build rest into your life is to observe Sabbath. And that's what tonight's about. This is our last practice uh, that we're going to look at. It's the practice of observing Sabbath. The interesting thing is centuries ago, it wouldn't have even been necessary to, to have to convince you of this, to have to preach much about this, because this is just something that was a natural rhythm in people's lives. In fact, society was ordered around it in many ways to where uh, Sabbath just came naturally for most groups of people. Now, today in modern times, we've moved away from it, especially as the evangelical Christian church. Uh, but I think that we would do well uh, to take a look at that. And the reason being, uh, commentator Walter Brueggemann said this. He said, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. And that's it. We want to be people who can be winsome for Christ. And so the way that we live each day, we want to make sure that we're living it for Jesus. And if we can Sabbath well, I believe that it's going to overflow in the way that we live the rest of the days uh, of the week. So what does scripture tell us about Sabbath? Maybe you're new and you're like, I don't even know what Sabbath is. I'm so glad you asked. So let's, uh, if you've got your uh, Bible app with you, you can uh, join us in the notes there. Uh, we've got all of those there. If you go to the events section, elements is listed. Uh, we've got all the scripture passages. If you've got your Bible with you, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 2. Just kind of put a finger there in Genesis chapter 2 because we're going to jump to Exodus 20 uh, real quickly after that. So for those with the paper Bibles, I don't hear too much rustling, but I'll give you a couple seconds so I don't read right away. But Genesis chapter two, verses two through three. If you know scripture, Genesis one, what happens? In the beginning, God, right? In the beginning, God created. So God existed before all things began. God was there and there was nothing and God created. Uh, and so he, cre- he goes through this pattern of creation where he, literally in a, a span of six days, well, literally to some, some believe it's figurative. We're not gonna get into that debate tonight. That's for the Bible nerds to debate about later. But God created and once he created all things, after six days, it says on the seventh day, God rested, right? And that's what we see in Genesis chapter two. God's gone through this whole process of creation. Genesis two, verse two says, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. That word holy, it means it's set apart. It's a day that's unique. It's set apart for something. And what's it set apart for? We'll talk about that in a moment. He set it apart because on it, he rested from his work that he had done in creation. So God establishes early on, here's his his healthy rhythm. He's going to do his work. When he finishes his work, what does he do? He rests. He rests. And so God continues this, all right? So skipping over to Exodus chapter 20, this is really the next place where we start to see Sabbath get discussed. And so Exodus, uh, starting in uh, verse 8 of chapter 20, we'll have that on the screen as well. It says, uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who's within your gates. Why? For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it what? made it holy. He set that day apart. So culturally speaking, let's go back. We don't have full time for the five minute nerd out, but let's get nerdy for a couple minutes. Is that okay? Can we get nerdy? Good. So what's going on here? Moses is now delivering the 10 commandments uh, to the nation of Israel. All right, Jack referenced the the movie. Maybe you saw the old movie, The Ten Commandments. Good old Charlton Heston, he gets up there. And so here's uh, Moses delivering these words that he and God have shared. He's, He's etched this into tablets. God has written this out for his people. And Moses is now telling the people of Israel uh, basically what God is like. And why does he have to do that? If we rewind and go back, what we see is that uh, before all of this, if you read through Genesis, when you get to the end of Genesis, there's this story about Joseph. He had his technicolor dream coat that was pretty awesome, and his brothers were jealous. His brothers got him into slavery. Jo- uh, Joseph goes to prison. Long story short, he ends up basically number two to Pharaoh in Egypt. And this great famine breaks out, and so the Israelites, uh, the, basically, uh, Joseph is able to bring his family and save them by bringing them into Egypt during the midst of this, this terrible famine. 
But the Israelites are blessed by God and they start multiplying at a rate that Pharaoh's not comfortable with. And so what does he do? He puts them into slavery. And so if you look at scripture, there's really, there's somewhere between at least two to four generations of Israelites that all they've known is slavery. All they've known is the brutality of Pharaoh. All they've known is that this Pharaoh doesn't like them and he's going to overwork them. He's going to consistently call them lazy. He's not going to give them any space to even worship their God because they're so busy having to serve Pharaoh and his wants and his desires and his needs. And so to understand the profound nature of what God is actually saying through Moses on Mount Sinai in that moment of what we just read in Exodus 20, uh, we need to look at the system that was in place in Egypt versus the system that, that God is looking to create amongst his people. God does it himself. He refers back to this himself right before what we read because in Exodus 20, chapter two, he even says, I am the Lord your God who did what? Who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And so he's telling them, think back to what you just lived under. I delivered you from that. And so as Brueggemann, uh, who I referenced earlier, as he notes in his commentary, uh, Sabbath as Resistance, it's a real short book, pretty good book on Sabbath. Um, He kind of zips through this idea that in Egypt, the Israelites lived under Pharaoh's rule. And so they would remember well how Pharaoh was. They would remember well that Pharaoh was considered by many people, he considered himself to be a god. And so what he said was going to go. That's how it was going to be. And so Pharaoh created this socioeconomic system that was driven by slave labor. It was so successful at building up wealth for him that he even had to have store cities to keep all of his wealth. Like some of us get storage units to keep all of our stuff. Can you imagine building an entire city just so that you can house your wealth in that city? That's Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh had this insatiable desire for more. And what it revealed, it's not just his greed, it actually revealed his anxiety. His anxiety. So Pharaoh's created this anxious system that was contagious because his anxiety was then passed on to the slave masters that there always needed to be more. More had to be done. Get them to get more bricks. Get them to get more straw. Make their quotas higher. And so the taskmasters really felt this this push from Pharaoh. And what did they do? They pushed that on to the slaves themselves. And so you have this anxiety that starts at the top and it flows all its way down to where every person who's a part of the system feels it. Now tell me, does that sound familiar to you? Does that sound anything like what we experience today in our own socioeconomic system? I love America, okay? Like, I'm a capitalist. I love it. I studied economics, and I do think it's a great system. But we have to be honest that the system that we've created today really is a push for more. And it's maybe not just a push that you always have to have more than your neighbor or have the most of anybody on the street, but it is a push that you need to have exactly what you think that you should have to live the life that you think you deserve to live. And so this pull does what? It, it creates an entire system of anxiety that we all get to live in and we all have to deal with. And so what's happening here, think of the culture for what was going on for the Israelites back then. If they were a slave under Pharaoh, his anxiety meant no rest for them, including himself, including Pharaoh himself. But the slaves especially would feel this. They would be treated cruelly. They'd gather their own supplies to make more stuff. And what did that do? How did that affect their ability to love their neighbor? How did that even affect their ability to worship their God? They didn't have much time because if you're constantly having to get up earlier than your neighbor to go out and get enough straw to get the bricks that you need to make, what's going to happen? You're going to trample over your neighbor so that you can get the rest, the little bit of rest that you have to fight for just to even have. And so Pharaoh's created this anxious system. And just to keep it short, uh, God delivers the Israelites from that. They get to walk through the Red Sea on dry ground. He overthrows that system. Uh, And now here is God through Moses establishing the Ten Commandments because he's saying, I want you to know who I am. And I want you to remember what you went through the last 400 years, but we're going to create a new system here. And so he starts by giving them the Ten Commands. Uh, We're not going to go through all of them, but we've got them on the screen here so that you can see them. But notice how God starts through Moses. He says, I'm the Lord your God. You're not supposed to have any gods before me. Sounds kind of like Pharaoh, right? You're not supposed to have any graven images to worship. Don't create anything that you're worshiping instead of God. Still kind of sounds like Pharaoh. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Man, if you speak badly about Pharaoh, what would happen? 
you're done, right? So not much is different between this God and Pharaoh just yet. But then we get to the fourth commandment. And we get to this commandment that he says, remember the Sabbath. And the interesting thing, if you add up all the the words that get used in the text, percentage-wise, one command here takes up like over 30% of the 10 commandments. And that's this one on Sabbath. That's how important it is to God. God is telling his people, work for six days, but on seven days, you follow my lead and you rest. Why? Because that's what God did. He graciously reveals to his chosen people that he is a God who is unlike any other God that you've observed before. This God is decidedly not anxious. In fact, this God isn't fickle. He's not insecure. This is a God who is very secure in his own power and in his own strength. And he's extending an invitation to the Israelites in that moment And we get that same invitation extended us today to do the same, to trust that he uh, is able to provide all that we need so that we can flourish. Because this God is not anxious, because he's able to rest, he invites his people to just release their anxiousness and to rest by observing Sabbath. And the outworking of that is seen in the final six commandments. And so if commandments one through three show us how we're supposed to relate to God, Commandments 5 through 10, the last six, they show us how we're to relate to others. And it's really a cool thing that the fourth commandment is actually, it's a bridge command between all the other commandments. That if we can get one through three right, if we can remember the Sabbath ourselves, if we take time to rest, look at the outworking of that and the way that it enables us to love our neighbor in a way that shows that this cot is not anxious. Because again, when there's anxiety, what do you do? You have to push your neighbor down. You have to get out there before your neighbor. You have to get ahead of your neighbor. But God's saying, don't worry about that. I have all that you need in me and in my grace. I will provide it for you. And he shows us right then what his value system is. And so hopefully this starts to begin to answer the question for us. Why should we observe Sabbath? The reason being, when we take care of ourselves, it enables us to also take care of others. As I begin to flourish myself, I'm then called to go help others do the same. And so the resources that I have, maybe the discipleship that I've gone through, the things I've learned about Christ, maybe the financial blessings that God might give me at a certain period of life, whatever those resources may be that God is blessing us with, if you're beginning to flourish, it's because God wants you to then pass that on to help your neighbor flourish as well. That's how the church works. That's the system that God is establishing. And so in a culture and in a day and age where we are so rushed, we are so hurried and we're so busy, Brueggemann says that we need to see Sabbath as a way of resistance. That's what Sabbath is for us as a Christian. It's resistance. It's a way to resist the demands of our culture in order to pursue the commands of God. That's my kind of Reverend Sharpton moment. I was a little proud of that when I wrote that down. That Sabbath is a way to resist the demands of culture in order to pursue the commands of God. In a day and age where our schedules, our bank accounts, our friends, our family, our jobs, our children, they're all demanding more, Sabbath is resistance. It's an alternative way of functioning in our world that rejects the greed of our day and age, rejects the demands of others, and even of ourselves that we place on ourselves sometimes so that we can make this powerful statement to a watching world. Sabbath says this, it says, who I am in Christ and what I have in Christ is enough. That's what's at stake here. And so John Mark Comer, real quickly, we'll go through it. If, if that answers the question, why do we Sabbath? Why do we resist the demands of culture to make this statement to the world? We want to show people that this way is better. The way of Jesus is better. It's healthier. You'll have less anxiety. You'll have less hurry. You'll have more margin and space in your life as we've said throughout this series, to receive the love of God and then share that love with others. That's the goal. And so how do we Sabbath real quickly? um, The word Sabbath actually comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat. Maybe you've heard that said before, Shabbat Shalom. Anybody? Yeah, right? Exactly. So Sabbath comes from that word Shabbat. There's multiple ways that you can translate Shabbat. 
Um, but I think four of those uh, translations uh, really help us understand how to Sabbath. Uh, and this is uh, what John Mark Comer goes into a little bit in his book. So how, first, uh, we Sabbath to stop. Just to stop. That's it. We stop being greedy. We stop wanting things. We stop doing work. We stop rushing through things. The reality is a lot of us are living our, our life at a pace that's simply not sustainable. And Sabbath is a way for us to just stop so that we can be in it for the long haul, so that we can uh, refill our cup, so that we can resist the demands of culture uh, by stopping what we're doing once a week so that we can make space for God to work in that time. But often our Sabbath can become a day uh, where that's, we, we start to do all the work that we don't actually get paid to do. Amen? Like we start to mow the lawn, we start to clean the house, maybe we run the vacuum, whatever it might be. But Sabbath actually stops that too. And so instead of go, 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 we simply take time to stop everything that we have to do so that we can fight against the hurry of society. But Sabbath, it also means to rest. And so we stop and then we rest. Because the weeks can be long and brutal. Sometimes uh, we go through seasons that just aren't easy. Uh, And so Sabbath is a way that even in the midst of those seasons, we can stop and we can take time to rest. Sabbath rest, uh, what what do I mean by that? It's it's what helps you to feel alive again down in those deep places of your soul. And you know what I'm talking about. It's those things that reawaken our heart to receive the love of Jesus so that we can share that love with others. I'm not just talking about sleeping in. I'm not just talking about taking a nap. There may be elements of that to your Sabbath. Sabbath. That's fine. But your Sabbath rhythms, uh, really, it's about taking time to do the restorative activities that refresh you and reinvigorate you. And that's going to look different from person to person. That's okay. I love golf, right? Mark Twain said, golf is a long walk ruined. So for some of you, are like, amen. Like, that's, you never want to be on a golf course because it's so frustrating. I love golf. And yes, it, there's times it's frustrating. Uh, but man, I just got to go out. My buddy Jeremiah like, went out with uh, him and then uh, a couple of friends as well. And we golfed on Friday. And it just there's something about being outside. And I get to be competitive with myself because I kind of still love sports, but I'm too old to like want to play them because it hurts too much. Uh, but golf doesn't seem to hurt, you know? So I just get to go out and man, just crush a little ball, hit it into a hole. And some of you, you're like, that's super boring. And for me, that's absolutely restorative. That's heaven. I love it. Others of you, you might be like, oh, video game. That was me too. I used to play video games. But guess what? Video games frustrated me. Like I would get really mad. If you're playing a game that gets you mad, it's not Sabbath, okay? I'm just gonna be honest. It's not Sabbath. So if it's Animal Crossing, go for it. Like something like that, that might be restorative to you. I love movies. I would go to movies because I love story. That's restorative. Some of you love a good book. That's the restorative thing you want to do. Maybe it's about hiking, getting out into nature. But that idea of resting, it's about doing something that you enjoy doing that restores your soul and readies you for the week that's ahead. Because ultimately, uh, what it leads to is Sabbath. We stop, we rest, and another translation for Sabbath is this. It's delight. And so we Sabbath to delight. It's a day that we curate joy. Joy isn't something that comes naturally to all of us. We have to really fight for it, don't we? And so Sabbath is a day for you to resist by fighting for your joy and doing the things that will restore you and bring you that joy. And so ask yourself this question, what can you do for a 24-hour period that would give you deep, soul-level joy? Those are the things that you should be doing. It's a day that we feed our souls with beauty and with goodness and with truth. And so we get into God's word, yes, we pray, we do those things, yes, but you know what? You can worship on a golf course. I don't know if you know that. You can worship while reading a book. You can go into these things knowing that God loves you so much that he would design activities that would bring us joy and bring us delight. And so Sabbath is a day to live with that awareness, that going out on that hike and seeing as the sun might come up over the mountains, right? Like just there's some times here in Tucson, oh, it's gorgeous, isn't it? Like the sunsets, the sunrises that we get here, just the things that surround us in nature, those things God has created to entice you to stop and notice him and notice his design and notice the beauty that he's put in the world around you for you to enjoy. Why? Because he loves you. 
because he loves you and he wants you to experience good things. That's it. And I can tell you there's moments in my life that I would be walking along and I would just be in nature and I would just stop and there'd just be this moment of overwhelming beauty. And I just, I could picture the joy on God's face of him just kind of sitting there like, come on, a couple steps further. You're almost there. You're almost there. There it is. I did that for you. Have you ever had that awareness that God loves you so much that he has literally created moments in time for you to enjoy so that you can enjoy him and delight in him? That's what Sabbath helps us do. And lastly, Sabbath does this. We delight, why? So that we can worship. Sabbath is worship. That's what it's all about. It's a holy day. We said that. That means it's unique. It's a day that's set apart. And so often we think of holiness, we think of being set apart from things. That holiness means that I don't participate in this. And really, we need to change our mindset. Sabbath is holy because it's set apart for something better. That's what holiness is about, that you're set about or set apart for God, for his goodness, for his purposes. He has designed you to do unique things that no one else can do, that when you do that, you help our church be everything she was meant to be. And yet some of you have never found that rhythm in your life, and that's a tragedy. And it's because you've never had those moments to rest, those moments of Sabbath. Maybe you've never had a, someone who loved you enough to say, hey, how can you get involved and serve the body of Christ? What has God gifted you with that you can do that will help all of us flourish? But that's what this series, Unhurried, it's about, is at the end of the day, we all have something to offer the kingdom. But so many of us are just too busy flying through life that we're missing those moments that we have to discover who we are in Christ, to discover the things that help our soul come alive as we get to serve the body. And so we've never stepped into the calling that God has given us. And we need to reclaim that space, that margin for God to move, for God to speak to us. And Sabbath is a great way to do that. And so if anything from this series resonates, I would love to invite you just Start to think of what can you do differently in your life? How do you need to rearrange your calendar? How do you need to rearrange maybe your weeks? How do you need to rearrange some activities? Maybe you need to start waking up a little bit earlier in the day so that you can create that margin for God to speak to you so that you can receive his love in order to give that to others. And here's the thing. If you feel like, man, there's just no way to do that. (laughs) Thanks, Pastor Lyle. That's all great, but like you don't know my life. You're right, I don't. I don't. I know that there's people in this room who've got at least four kids. It's probably some of you have more than that. I can't even imagine how overwhelming it is to have one kid at this point in my life. So I can, you know, for those of you who are doing it, keep going. Love it. Go for it. But here's here's the principle that I want you to, to think about. Start where you're at, not where you think that you should be. Too often we're we're busy comparing ourselves to other people. And so you'll hear something like this and you just put this pressure on yourself of who you're supposed to be or what you're supposed to be doing. That's not what this talk is about. This talk is about start where you're at. Look at your own life. Don't compare it to others. Don't compare it to me or to what we're saying here. Start with where you're at, not with where you think you should be. If you can start with just even on a Sunday, making time to have the whole family put their phones away and that you go out and have a meal together after church and you just talk. You don't have to have your phones out. You don't have to be distracted. You just get to talk about the week. If that's where you can start, just those few hours, see what God will do with that. I'm telling you, this becomes addictive. Almost to the point where like, you get fiercely like, guarded with your Sabbath in a weird way. And we don't want to get that way, okay? Like, we've got to be healthy with it. Um, but, but you'd be amazed that when you just start to... to carve out that space to rest in Jesus, you'll find him there with you. And so hear this. Uh, This isn't a call to do more. This whole series, we're not calling you to do more. In fact, like so many other practices of Jesus, this is actually a call to do less so that we can intentionally arrange our lives in such a way that we can receive the love of Jesus and then give that love to others. Let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you um, 
for the ways that you've uh, been encouraging people that are part of the Elements community over the past month or so. Um, it's just refreshed my soul to hear uh, the conversations that people have had of how something is stirred in their heart, that this is striking a nerve for so many of us because we, we are so rushed through everything that we're doing. Thank you that we all are just hearing your voice saying that there's a better way, that you are better and that we need to start pursuing you and the life in you that you have for us and that as we do that and begin to order our lives properly, God, that, that you're ready to do something amazing. So just in this moment before we close out with the song, the way that we learn as adults, it just, it takes moments of reflection where we think back of what we've learned and we really chew on that thought. And that's what I want to invite you to do, uh, to do in this space, just for the next minute or two. How has God been speaking to you? Whether it's about Sabbath, whether it's about silence and solitude, whether it's about simplicity, just slowing down, whatever it may be. Holy Spirit, I'm just asking that you would speak into people's hearts right now. Just each person individually would see you, Jesus, looking full into their face, smiling at them and calling them to something better. Would you just whisper to each heart what it is you're calling them to do? Just one step that each one of us can take to begin to, to live our life just at a better pace to not be rushed through every moment so that we can live at the speed of grace. Jesus, just in this moment, we rest in your love. Thank you that you're faithful to meet us in these moments. Would you continue to speak to our hearts as we worship you, Lord? I give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor. Pray this in your name. Amen.
the great I am. You are king forever, beginning and the end. You are Lord and servant. You're the Son of Man. You're the Light of Judah, risen Lamb. You're the got one food truck outside. There's a second one that's on its way, by the way. It's probably like five minutes away. So if you want barbecue, you're going to have to wait a couple minutes. But Taco Ketta's here, and Ramon's awesome. So uh, we've got the food trucks. That, that's going to be happening right now. We uh, love to celebrate March Madness, although I think after Thursday, for most of us, it's just, we're just mad. That was me. So um, anyway, yeah, there it is. Sweet. Couple things uh, before we get out and, and uh, have a good time with the after party there. Uh, we'll be at the 10 minute party in the back. So again, if you're new and you wanna just get connected, uh, you don't have to be back there all 10 minutes. It could just be for a couple minutes, but that's just our chance to get to know a little bit about you and hear your story. Uh, and so we'd love to meet you so you can head back there. Uh, uh, I think Jack's gonna be back there. I don't know, Karen's back there too. She's waving. Karen, you're a rock star. Love you. All right. Uh, Easter Sunday, Jack talked about that beforehand. That's coming up. So uh, April 9th, uh, two days before that, we're going to do that Good Friday deal. Uh, so we're going to release videos at different points of the day just as we journey through the cross. And just we want to make that kind of a reflective moment for everybody. Um, so get ready for that. E-groups are always going on. So if you want to get better connected, um, Amy, out at the Next Steps table, we have a sheet of paper that has all the different e-groups. Uh, we've got a, a new group that just started for couples that's meeting, I think, every Friday night. Uh, we've got a college Bible study that meets every Tuesday night. Uh, we've got so many different ways that you can get connected or get involved. We've got discipleship groups. I've been emailing some of you. Uh, so we're pretty close to getting some people uh, in that as well. Uh, so we're excited about all those things. But if you want to get connected in any of those things, just talk to Amy at the Next Steps table. She'll be able to uh, help you with all of that. So um, I think that's it. Giving, it's online in the app. We always have to mention that because that lets us live. So uh, as an organization, we want to keep functioning, but for real, for those of you who do uh, tithe, we, we appreciate that. And if you are looking on how to, to best do that through the app, there's a, a little button that says give. That's how most people give. We do have metal boxes in the back by the doors. I guess we should mention that too. So if you want to drop that into a, an envelope, got to get that tax deduction, am I right? Then you can uh, drop it into the, the silver box and then uh, we'll, we'll get it that way as well. So that's it. Let's go party at the after party.
We'll watch the March Madness. We got the bounce houses out there, got some basketball, got some food. It's going to be a great time. Uh, but yeah, look forward to hanging out with you outside.